This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. We're going to have a look at Acts 16. There are a number of things that uh, I really felt God talking uh, to me about while I was preparing uh, these few verses. Okay, so it's the whole chapter, by the way. So it's, we're going to take some time to read that. So uh, you're all finding it, etc. Something you can probably do, you probably can multitask. Anybody multitask? Most of you can, I should imagine. So I, I really felt led that we would start by saying the Lord's Prayer together. All right. So um, whether you want to stand or you want to sit, I'm comfortable with that. But uh, um, there are a number of pieces of the Lord's Prayer that uh, really support the word I feel God's going to be talking to us today. So uh, whilst you're bringing up Acts 16 on whatever device or book you've got, uh, let's do that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So um, there are a number of things that uh, were being uh, sung and the Lord brought this morning that uh, really open up um, some, of the, some of this scripture to us. So Acts 16, uh, here we are. Paul um, came to Derby and to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers in Lystra and Lyconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in number. Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia by the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do so. So they passed by Mysia and then went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that, the God, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace, and the next day we went to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the Roman women who were gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyra. Her name was Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She, excuse me, <clears throat> she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had become to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officer to the jail. With the order, release these men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrate has ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officer, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and then threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. 
The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to the Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Just starting off with this second missionary journey. The last time uh, I was speaking, I was talking about the first missionary journey, and here we go on to the second missionary journey. Uh, Mission is the whole purpose of church. One of the things that uh, we see right the way through the New Testament is that God has a plan for evangelizing the world, and it's through his church and through his people. Here we are. We're, we are part of that mission today. And we are, there was Ray on the streets yesterday telling us about his last confession to an unbeliever, a person who needs saving. And here's Paul going out on a missionary journey. The elders had, uh, in, in the back end of Acts 15 had sent him and uh, uh, commissioned him to go. A great piece of, uh, of recognizing the man's gift and call, and that God was, had commanded them to go. When Jesus was, uh, was talking to his apostles uh, right at the end of our Gospels and right at the beginning of Acts, the one thing he commanded them to do was to go. Go into all the earth and declare the gospel. Uh, so here's the start of this missionary journey. And uh, right at the beginning, we meet the amazing Timothy, although he's not quite so amazing at the moment. <laughs> Here he is, a young man of God, recognized by the local people. And, uh, and here's Paul saying, actually, I, 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 think, uh, I think this young man should come with us. And, uh, um, and Paul clarifies that uh, this is something that uh, should happen. And we see that uh, Timothy, he takes Timothy and he circumcises him. Now, gentlemen in the, in the room, you've just got to make you feel, oh, isn't it great that that's something that doesn't have to happen? I, I, personally, I think that's a great thing that it doesn't have to happen. And uh, one of the things that Paul did that for was because so many of the locals knew that Timothy wasn't seen to be a legitimate Jew. His father was a Greek. And therefore, he wasn't circumcised. And therefore, the Jews in that area would have treated him as if he was second class and unclean. So Paul, and he goes on to talk about, in that, uh, in that couple of verses, about why he needed to be circumcised just to keep the door of the gospel open for the Jews. That was all that it was for. Because then we read on that he declares to them what the elders in Jerusalem had stated. In, in chapter 15, verse 28, they wrote a letter uh, to uh, the world, really, declaring to non-Jewish Christians the things that they should do to comply with religiosity, if you like. All right. So these are the things that they said in verse 28. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. All right. And amazingly, 
It's not being circumcised. So here we are. You are to abstain from foods sacrificed to idols, from blood, from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you avoid such things. So um, in, in the next verses from being circumcised, Paul uh, is declaring to the local churches, this is all you have to do. If you are a, a, a non-Jewish Christian convert, then this is all you have to do. Sounds quite easy, really, doesn't it? It's almost like the early commandment, just don't eat the fruit. Right? So many things we think, actually, it's so easy, so easy not to do, so easy not to do. And we'll see further on in this amazing chapter how some of the things that are in here about other gods, other sacrifices, other religions uh, come to take place. So we're just going to uh, take a, a stroll through some of the, uh, the, the key parts of Acts uh, and uh, we'll see that God has a plan for this missionary journey and it wasn't Paul's plan. Paul had a plan that actually he was going to go into Asia and pre preach the gospel. He, that's where he, his plan was going. Anybody got a plan here this morning? Got a plan for your life? Got a few things that you think, God might be in this. You know? And uh, there's, there's certain things we, for most of us, we've got a plan for our lives. Anybody got a plan? What you'd like to happen? You know, whether it be jobs, career, it might be ministry, it might be gifting, it might be plans for your children or your grandchildren. There's all sorts of plans. In fact, I was talking to, uh, uh, to Anne and, uh, and uh, some of the family um, just during the week, uh, having been praying through some of these sorts of things about a plan. And, uh, oh, I suppose uh, we, we were in Stanford doing some work and, uh, and so forth for the Lord. And uh, I really felt, because I was getting mature in my years, okay, it might surprise you, uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, I get mature in my years, I thought, do you know, I could probably do this till I retire. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. So then God changed that. Okay, and, uh, and I thought, oh, okay. And I got another job uh, that, uh, that I did for about eight years, actually. And uh, I thought, you know, I like this job. I could do this job till I retire. Got made redundant from that as well. There we go. So uh, then, around about this time last year, I was wondering what God wanted me to do. And we just moved here to Derby. And, uh, of course, in part of the plan, I'd come to Derby because of the last job, not because of the one I'm doing currently. And I was made redundant within about, we just about got the house, haven't we, really? And uh, I thought, do you know, do you know, this plan isn't quite working out. So I get this job. I got this job, uh, which was a wonderful thing God gave to us uh, last summer. And I've, I've got this job, and I'm doing quite a bit of a commute and so forth. And I fell into the trap a couple of weeks ago thinking, do you know, <laughs> do you know, I could do this job till I retire. And uh, I was looking at, um, um, I've got one or two, um, some spare shirts and so forth. You can buy a few shirts and I put one away, etc. and white shirts, you know, for, for weddings and things like that and so forth. Or for interviews. The word came to me for interviews, Paul. And I thought, oh, right, okay. Um, what are you saying, Lord? He's, and what he was saying was, I've got a different plan. And the plan wasn't necessarily for me to have a different job, but not to think my plan is the best plan. 
God's got a better plan. He keeps on opening up things that I wasn't looking for or that are challenging to me. And uh, he just wants me to grow in the things of him. So uh, my plan, a little bit like, uh, here we go. Uh, Paul starts trying to get into Asia. We see that. He, he's trying to get into Asia, and he's trying to get into Asia. Oh, my goodness. Is, is, is it the enemy that's stopping him? No, it clearly says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus was stopping him, doing the thing he thought he was called to do, which I think is a bit of a challenge. But as soon as, and the amazing thing here is, as soon as God gives him a vision... He drops everything and goes. As soon as he got a glimpse of God's future for what God wanted him to do, he packed everything up and went. Now, um, one of my favorite pieces of scripture, it's on a, a, one of my... Um, uh, it's just one of those things you put in your book to keep your pages... Bookmark, thank you. I love participation. This is good. This is good. So, uh, so one of my bookmarks is this piece of scripture. It's from Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, so at the start of that lovely piece of scripture, it says, for I... It's such a little word, isn't it, I? Until we realize who I refers to. I refers to the creator of all things. I refers to the God Almighty. We, we praised him and worshipped him and hallelujahed him the, 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 this morning just beautifully. But he says, I know the plans I have for you. Now, at the time, he was declaring to the people in captivity. All right? This was a letter sent by Jeremiah to those in captivity. Hey, look, in 70 years' time, I'm going to take you... What? 70 years' time, I'm going to take you out of there and because I know the plans I have for you. And he was declaring to them as the Lord God Almighty to the people who had been disobedient and failed and all that sort of thing, hey, look, it's okay. I know the plans I have for you. What a, what a wonderful reassurance that the Lord God Almighty has plans for them. And he has plans for them to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them a hope and a future. Hey, hold on a minute. We're in captivity. And yet the Lord God Almighty has a plan for them. And sometimes in our difficulties and our challenges, etc., uh, we lose sight that actually the plan is unfolding and it's a wonderful plan. So when I was being made redundant, and I was saying, hold on, <laughs> there is a godly plan. Uh, and here we are living in the New Testament times, not Old Testament times. My salvation is sure and Christ is in me. What, what, what can there be? What can there be that will actually diminish the joy of that? 
And we see uh, so often through scriptures in the last one, that the, Acts 13, and the apostles were going out. They'd been persecuted, they'd been beaten, they'd been kicked out of the city, and they were singing hymns and rejoicing. Hallelujah. So here we are, Paul, he's been uh, stopped, they, Jesus stopped him going into Asia and uh, redirecting him into what would be Greece today. And uh, away he goes. Um, uh, there's this, uh, another piece of uh, scripture that I had that's worthy of mention. In Proverbs 16, verse 9, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Uh, and uh, here we have this amazing uh, revelation to Paul who gets this picture of uh, a man from Macedonia saying, Hey, come and help us. We need you. Um, and I just relate it back to my own life. So often I'm walking. I've got, I'm going in a direction. I think I'm going in the right direction. Do you all feel that you're going in the right direction? You wouldn't be going there otherwise, would you? Okay, so you think you're going in the right direction, etc., and you order your steps, okay? And, and God says, well, hold on a moment. You, you've got a plan, but I'm the one who does that. Faith, hope, and enterprise. There are three ladies. God's ordering their steps. You know. The man that you were talking to, Ray, yesterday, God's ordering his steps. And that there is, a, there is a moment coming. There is a moment coming for some of these people. I don't know which ones. Nobody does. But there's a moment coming where the gospel will be meaningful. Uh, one of those uh, listening uh, in verse 14 uh, was a lady, Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth. And she was a worshipper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. I just want to just stop for a moment and just remember the basic idea that God opened my heart to receive a message. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved this morning, God opened your heart. God gave you faith. Gave, God gave you revelation. God made you his own. Not, not because of intelligence. I wouldn't be here for that. Not because of intelligence. Not because I was willful. Not because I was seeking. But he sought me out and saved me. And here we have an apostle Paul who's gossiping the gospel to anybody that will listen and they don't all get saved. Only the ones that God opens the hearts of get saved. And yet there's the reality for us, isn't it? You know, we sow the seeds. We sow the seeds and we know the word of God, the word goes out and it always accomplishes that which it was sent for. Is that true? Did for you, did for me. So uh, when we're, we're thinking about the gospel and open doors, I love that word, that the doors were opened. Uh, Paul thought Asia was opened, and it wasn't. But there was a door that was open, and it was Macedonia. God always makes a way. God always opened the door because he's got a plan, and it's eternal. And it's such an important part of the journey. So we're coming into an area that is uh, slightly more challenging. And uh, here's Paul. He's, uh, he, he's being followed around the city with uh, a demon-possessed lady fortune teller. 
um, and the uh, <laughs> some interesting things around what that that could look like, etc. But uh, these are the words that the, the the lady said. These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, I, I don't know how Ray would feel if there was someone following him around Derby saying, this man serves the Most High God and he's telling you the way to be saved. And when you try and have a conversation with someone else, she's declaring it again. This man is telling you the way to be saved and he's serving the Most High God. And everywhere you go, this lady is shouting, declaring, how annoying. It must be pretty difficult to have a reasonable conversation with someone when this lady is pursuing them. And it's interesting that these are the sorts of statements made by demons and demon-possessed people when Jesus is around. Uh, and uh, there's, uh, there's the uh, um, amazing Paul gets cross in the end. Okay, not going to judge Paul, best not, I think. Okay, but he got cross in the end and he turns around and he casts the demon out. And most of the uh, commentators say this was an amazing miracle. This was an amazing miracle. And uh, uh, do we see it as such? Was it just a reaction? And from then on, we see all sorts of things happening. Um, it was an area of this piece of scripture that I really felt God wanted to speak to us a little bit about. And it was around the occult and demons and darkness and so forth. So before we get too deeply into that, uh, I just want to remind you of the Lord's Prayer. Okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, uh, when you have a look at uh, these people, one of the things that Paul declares himself to be is a Roman citizen. Okay, if I was to dis ask you what nationality you are, what would your nationality be? South African, fantastic. Okay, any others? English, English British, except I, I like that. I like that because I do too. But the reality is we're not. We're part of Christendom. We're part of the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Why? Because I'm here. Wherever you stand, could you all stand up for me? You're all looking far too relaxed. Could you all stand up? Okay, would you, please, thank you. It's all right. It won't be for long. It won't be for long. Wherever your feet are, wherever you're standing, that's Christendom. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God is. All right? Because God's in you. So wherever you are... That's where Christ is. Wherever you are, that's where the power of God is. Wherever you are, that's where righteous is, righteousness is. That's you. So when I describe myself as British, actually, it's not really true. That might be an origin. That might be a place of birth. But actually, as far as a kingdom is concerned, you're a Christian. Amen. Hallelujah. Take a seat. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, okay? For yours is the power, yours is the glory, yours is the kingdom, okay? And where we are, we are to be declaring that and actually recognizing that. And here's Paul, he is 
the power and authority of God in the place. Same as you. Not because of Paul being an apostle, because Paul being born again and of the Spirit of God and Christ in you. So when he turns around and casts that spirit out, there's darkness around. One of the things that, uh, that we're told, uh, just doing the study, is that uh, this city was, was an outpost. In fact, the Jewish people there didn't have a synagogue. They went out of the city to pray and worship, etc., because it was uh, quite, quite a small place. Prominent, but quite a small place. Uh, what, do, what does that mean? Well, in the area of Rome and Greece at that time, the amount of gods that there were being worshipped was just amazing. You couldn't have gone round a corner and not seen a statue to something. And I say something because there were some very weird things being worshipped. Right? And, of course, lots of very unholy and terrible things being done in the name of religion. Not Christianity, but religion. Whether that would be human sacrifices, animal sacrifices, sexual, um, all sorts of stuff going on. And... The Christians in those days who had a faith in God were surrounded by these things. Hence why the elders in Jerusalem were telling people, just try and avoid this stuff, right? What's that? Animal sacrifice, strangled, blood, etc. Because they were surrounded by all sorts of things that were unholy. Now, when you have a look at our own culture, we're surrounded by quite a lot of things that are unholy. Is that true? Whether it be on the TV, whether it be on the internet, whether it just be talking to people at work, you realise, oh my goodness me, nobody understands righteousness or being holy anymore. And uh, so one of the things that I really felt God talking to me about, stop, pause, there's a piece of casting out this demon. There's part of the lives of all these people that spiritual warfare is something that we are called to stand on. You don't have to go seeking it. You don't have to go seeking it. There's plenty of it around us. One of the words that I really felt God talked to me about was um, dream catchers and star signs. It was okay. He wasn't telling me to go that way. He was telling me that actually it was wrong. So, and that some of these things were, um, that I needed to raise them uh, with you this morning. Uh, dream catchers, if you've, never, if you've never seen one, they're just a loop. Sometimes they have uh, feathers on them and all that sort of thing. Uh, they started off in the North American um, uh, tribes and stuff like that, and um, they're flipping everywhere. They're everywhere. Children are colouring them in in their colouring books. <laughs> uh, they're in virtually every... Um, every time you go in a store at the seaside or anywhere like that, they're just hanging there for purchase. And they look pretty. Isn't that fun? They look pretty. And um, so the, the word I, I really felt, uh, as far as dream catchers are concerned, some people would, uh, would think it's not a problem with them. It's not a problem with them. And it, whilst they're a, a, a something for colouring uh, in or something like that, they're not a problem. Uh, once you buy one and you actually, because you're feeling you need to sleep better at night, 
and when you're buying one because actually uh, it helps you calm down, when you're buying one because actually it has, it's, it's having an effect on you, that's the time not to have one. Right. So um, it's not just dream catchers. There's all sorts of things, whether it be bangles, necklaces, lucky charms, all sorts of things that fall into the, that category. The other thing that uh, star signs. Uh, two people last week described themselves as their star signs. Oh, well, I'm like that because I'm a Taurus. I'm like that because I'm a Sagittarian. I'm like that. And it's, that's an identity. That's identifying with old gods. That's identifying with spiritual entities. That's identifying with things that we should have nothing to do with. All right. And uh, whether, it, whether it's someone in the room who reads their horoscope or anything like that, some people have a necklace with their star sign on it, whatever it might be. It could be the little Buddha that's sitting on the sideboard that you touch for luck or whatever it might be. There are lots of things in people's households. Uh, Anne and I, in the past, we've gone to one or two people's houses where there, there's a real sense of oppression in the house. Uh, with cr Christian households, you know, with all sorts of things around. And uh, what can you do about these sorts of things? Get rid of them. <laughs> get rid of them. But also, get your head right. Get your spirit right. All right. These things are challenging. These things are just doorways that open up for spiritual things to come in. And when Anna and I were talking about it during the week and I was saying uh, this was an area, I thought, oh dear, I don't really want to go into spiritual warfare on a Sunday morning. Don't fancy that. And then I saw a number of the songs, etc., that were coming through about spiritual warfare, about victory, about open doors, about, uh, okay, I will then. All right, so here we are. Uh, and I really felt God was, was talking about these sorts of things. Uh, and I'm not saying because there's something in your house that it's a major problem. could be a small problem. could be no problem at all, because for you it's nothing. But what doorways are being opened up because of some of these things? And how might they be affecting you? So I don't go looking for this. Um, I, was, I was in Zimbabwe with um, Graham and Sarah Giles, or a lovely couple that uh, 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 are out there on mission. And uh, we had a group of young men, and uh, uh, we were talking about spiritual power, spiritual authority. It was fantastic. And uh, two of the guys said, well, in which case, Friday night, what we need to do is go down and confront the witch doctors. Uh, really? I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see us going looking. I don't see us going to confront. What I see us is preaching the gospel and supporting and encouraging people along their journey. You know, there are spiritual warfare things going on. And knowing our identity, that actually one of the things we started with, wasn't it? Your identity in Christ. You are... You stood up. You are the power of God. And uh, whether, whether, it be, uh, whether it be demons or whether it be Satan himself, they are all subject to the sovereign power of our Lord God Almighty. They, they, <laughs> Satan's a fallen angel. He is one of many, many, many. And he can only do what 
God allows him to do. He, he works within strict guidelines in the same way we do. God is sovereign and therefore. Um, so whenever we're looking at these things, we need to actually understand who we are in the midst of our battle. Uh, but two, don't go looking for it. So this morning, I feel God is talking to us about some of these things. Paul just turned around and told the demon to go. That demon went. And uh, we have that authority. And, um, uh, and having been involved in some prayer like that, it's amazing and glorifying when God does cleanse someone. And you see the lights going on and the freedom coming on. The chains have fallen off this morning. They're gone. Why? Because of the work Christ has done. But now and again, we haven't closed all the doors and the enemy gets creeping back in. Sometimes um, we've done something that actually opens the door to challenge. And when that happens, confession and prayer are permanent healing. Permanent healing. If we close the doors, deal with the issues. All right. So... Paul casts out the demon. Uh, it was quite interesting then. Paul goes and uh, uh, gets um, dragged before the magistrates. Um, there they are. They're dragging them off. Uh, if someone came, uh, anybody driving a car? Do any of you drive cars? Some of you drive cars. Okay, if someone came along and damaged your car, would you want to sue them? All right. Well, that's what this is like. Right? So there they had this wonderful resource, this slave. They owned this slave, and someone's damaged the slave. So they grab hold of Paul and Silas and drag them off to the magistrate. Ah, right, now we'll sort you out. But they didn't accuse them of damaging the slave. They accused them for teaching things that Romans and others weren't allowed to do. It reminded me of Jesus going before the Sanhedrin and being accused of all sorts of things, you know. Um, they seem to forget all about healings and miracles and so forth and get down to a bit of doctrinal teaching. Jesus declares it's wonderful when we suffer for the sake of the gospel. It should be a joy for the challenge set before us. Hold on a minute. Did I sign up for that? I'm not sure I signed up for that. What a hard time for preaching the gospel. I, I don't know how many of you, when you've actually shared the gospel, that people turn against you and are nasty to you, unpleasant to you, accuse you of things. And here's Paul in front of the magistrates and they're so outraged, the people rise up and strip them and beat them with rods. I thought about bringing a big stick with me, you know. Uh, later on in the evening, when, when, when the, uh, when the, the, the uh, jailer is, is uh, saved, he bathes their wounds. Right? Now, the crowd grabbing hold of sticks and beating Paul and Silas with sticks... And it says, when they were severely beaten, that's got to hurt, isn't it? The things that these early disciples did and some of the things that disciples are doing now. When you look at how many were blown up last weekend, Easter weekend, it was just appalling. 
people are still suffering for their faith. But Paul and Silas, there they are. They're actually, it's midnight and they're beaten. They've got wounds. They're sore. I mean, I'm worried if I get a splinter. Here are these. This is not the first time. If you ever hear read Paul's account of all the tragedies, beaten, flogged, shipwrecked, etc., he goes through the lot, doesn't he? Uh, he's left for dead on two occasions. He's been beaten so much, you know. So when you start having a look at Paul and he's beaten and he's in jail and they're singing praises to God, and the people, prisoners there, are listening. Isn't it wonderful? To have actually gone through all that uh, earlier when you came and shared. and In the midst of the trial, praising God and how God comes in those moments. When you're actually praising God in the midst of the trial, praising God without a job last year, waiting for the job. And every time I came to church, there was a word about God never leaving your side, being your ever-present help in time of need, never leave you nor forsake you. It was just so reassuring being around Christians who declared the faithfulness of God, doesn't it? It's just so amazing. It's just so amazing. Why is fellowship important? That's why fellowship is important, because of the love and encouragement that you find there. So um, there we are. Um, Paul's set free. You know, wouldn't you be wouldn't you be happy if you were set free? Not Paul. No, they were horrible to me. And I'm a Roman. See, forget the Christian thing. I'm a Roman, and they shouldn't have done it to me. Later on in the book of Acts, Paul gets into trouble a little bit more because he declares himself to be a Roman. Gives him a great opportunity later on to be able to say to uh, uh, say to uh, the king, uh, okay, of of. Uh, of Israel and uh, also the governor at the time. He gets to declare the gospel to those before they ship him off to Rome. All right, Being a Roman has consequences for Paul. And when he's in Rome, he lives for many years and writes many books and many letters, which is all part of God's plan before he dies. But that was part of his journey. So here we see Paul declaring himself a Roman and you shouldn't have done it. And uh, later on, that's going to have consequences uh, in future chapters. So I have uh, two things that uh, I wanted to bring as a prayer point at the close of our session, because we've done a quick walk through 40 verses. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, Just two areas of prayer. One is, I think a small one, really. Uh, If you're going through things and uh, the plans that you have don't seem to be working out. God has a better one. Um, Satan can't stop what God has ordained. All right, I'm going to say that again. Satan can't stop. So I'm talking spiritual warfare. He can't stop what God has ordained. There is, there, this is not a battle of equals. All right. You have God Almighty who has a plan, and his plan is fulfilled. His plan is always fulfilled. Right the way through the cross, everlasting salvation, 10,000 years I will be praising him, same as you, and our glory will not diminish, and we will still be as enthusiastic 10,000 years later. 
How amazing is this? Uh, the plan of God isn't going to be thwarted. But some of us uh, will be in that place where, hey, I did have a plan. I've got a plan, and it's not quite working out. And I want to reassure you that God has something for you. Has a, he has a door that is open. Sometimes we're knocking on the door. If, I, if I'm here long enough, <laughs> if I'm here long enough, God will open the door. No, he's already got one. It's down the corridor. Just keep going. And, and actually, what is it you want me to be doing, Lord? That doesn't mean you don't need to be persistent in your prayer and uh, in your knocking, but be open to what God wants for you. So there is that, all right? Um, number two is dream catchers, star signs, and more. So I don't know where you all are with that. I don't know who there is that might be sleepless because of something like that. Where there are things where you lack peace in your life because of things like that. Um, there might be things that you, you want, might want to go home and get rid of. Uh, it might be African mosques. A number of times there's things like that that have been brought away from holidays and are sitting on people's walls and stuff like that for no other reason than um, oh, it was all right to buy. And there are things like that. But I think when God was talking about the dream catchers and star signs to me, that there were one or two people who were indulged in that. Graham said to me, <laughs> just before the service, uh, just go for it, Paul. Whatever it is, just go for it, okay? So I'm not blaming him, <laughs> okay? It's absolutely right. What he does is just throw it, the door open, all right? So um, I'm just going to go for it because part of me thinks, no, but actually in, a, in the numbers here, I would think probably 10%. Several, eight, nine, ten people will be in a position where they would love a bit of prayer, but how do you go about that when everybody else is watching on? How do you go about that? How do you go about that? It's just, hum it's just being humble, and nobody else is judging. There'll be other people in the seat thinking, I should have gone. <laughs> okay, so that's where I am, um, and uh, I, I think it would be, uh, you're right if the worship team come back up and pray, Play whilst we sort of get to that stage. I'll hand the microphone over to Ray to, to, to close the meeting as well. But Anne and I would love to pray. We, we talked about this and we prayed into it before, just thinking, okay, what are we going to do? Um, we would be really happy to pray for anybody who wants to come forward uh, for any of those things. You might be hugely um, desperate for a word from God because plans need to be opened up to you, all right? So there's that thing. But there's another part of this where I think people need freedom, real freedom from one or two things. And for others, just some clarity. You might just want to come and ask a question. What about this, Paul? What about this? And more than happy for, uh, you know, obviously Graham and Ray or any of the elders team, you can have a chat with them about it as well. But that, that's where I felt that this meeting needed to uh, have a powerful encounter 
So if that's you, I'm going to be down, Anna and I are going to be down here at the front whilst uh, uh, the, the, the band play. Okay? Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.